Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Amina Tuso. And I'm Ann Friedman. And I'm CYG producer Gina Delvac. On this week's agenda, the business of Call Your Girlfriend behind the scenes. Hey, Gina. Hi, guys. <laughs> Welcome to the other side of the mic. Wow, the elusive three-way episode. Hey. have been waiting three years for this. I'm very excited. <laughs> oh, my God. Has it been three years? Crazy. Um, it's been three years, right? Right? <laughs> yeah. So. so. since this episode is about the business of CYG... CYG LLC. Yeah, that's, but the even only, before... that's the only thing on the agenda today is we're going to like talk and probably cry about what it's like to be podcast moguls. When, when did this pod... How, how did you start this podcast, ladies? Okay, let's go back to the spring of 2014 when we started a podcast. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Does it really... Was it spring? Are you sure it wasn't like January? I'm positive it was It was May. Spring. It was May. It was a couple weeks before my birthday. Why was I in L.A. in May? Oh, you're right. We probably started in May. I just remember a frantic URL buying session from Anne's car on right. the way to some Hollywood hotel. There was a lot that of pre-production. Yes, I think that was in January, and it took us until May or so thereabouts to actually produce our first episode. To launch. Yes. And we have those secret pilots. So basically, Gina conned us into starting a podcast, and it like worked out. Coerced us gently is how I like to think of it. <laughs> G- Gina the scammer. That's how it worked you out. You threw out a good idea and I ran with it. Gina was like, I'm going to tell you how to get rich quick. Let's start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we're not rich yet. So <laughs> table that. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I'm trying to think about how we even, whether we even thought about business stuff when we launched like was this did we talk about business stuff no we obviously did not because (laughs) i uh, (laughs) because i like you know i think i'm already on the record of saying this is that if you and gina had come to me and said hey amina let's do a podcast and let's get business married and like run a you know like a small media company together run away with us i would have probably said no like immediately and also, I don't think that we would have ever been successful if that's what we had set out to do. All we set out to do was to, like, make a podcast every other week. And then now it's weekly. Every other week, even then, was a struggle. Even launching was a struggle. <laughs> yeah. The, like, remember the many lost files? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, so forgot. many lost files. Well, even now, Gina just said, like, member our, like, unpublished pilots. I had completely forgotten that happened. But like business-wise, early, early on, it was Gina told us what equipment to buy. Like that is, and you and I both paid out of pocket for our mics and stuff, right? Yeah. That's how I we, recall it. We bought the, yeah, because we were, we were not moguls yet. So we like <laughs> <laughs> paid out of pocket. Not a girl, these, like, not yet a mogul. <laughs> for these, for these microphones that I will not name, but like mine promptly broke and I had to order a new one on Amazon. 
How many USB podcasting microphones did you reorder, Amina? I think there were at least three. (laughs) I went through three microphones, okay, but it's not my fault. It's the state of the USB podcasting industry. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so we bought the mics ourselves. I think you you paid, Amina, or we split the, like, uh, cost to register the domain name, right? Like, Yeah, I, like, paid for our domain. Gina made us register for this weirdo software that we had to pay for also. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Audio yeah. hijack. Audio hijack. <laughs> yeah, I was or, like, some, or, why was I going to call it something amoeba? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So our startup costs were low, but... <laughs> But, like, when you're not making money, our startup costs were all, uh, they were all costs, you know? Right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so we, and then we signed up for, like, I don't even remember how that happened. I think, Anne, you made it happen. We, like, signed up on some, like, podcast network. We used a platform called Blog Talk Radio that I don't know how... If if they had reached out to me at some point and and I think I know, some bro reached like, out to you and then like didn't work there like promptly as soon as we started podcasting. <laughs> anyway, but we were like, oh, this is a publishing mechanism for us, and so we started. That is where we published. Although it didn't cost us anything, but it didn't earn us anything either. It was like it was it was kind of just like the Tumblr of podcast platforms. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, but yeah. to our credit, we did it like we started podcasting every other week and like didn't miss a beat. We missed like one or two beats. Are you sure? <laughs> we yes, never we missed an miss episode. A few weeks. Gina, factcheck.org. I think we might have missed a few, seriously. Like, I think we took a couple off on purpose. Am I thinking, am I remembering this correctly? You guys, and I want to say in the first year, we did not miss a week. I'm going to go back and check this because my okay. honor depends on it now. Well, and there was also an early, like, I was, when we were trying to launch the show, I was finishing up an intense job. And so it was, like, super delayed on getting one episode out there. And then missed my chance to use a really great Pitbull music interstitial that I still regret. <laughs> wow. Wait, like, have you been hanging on to this for two oh, yeah. years? What it's did you like miss? It's like the thing that keeps me awake at night. <laughs> Could have used some really great Dale sound effects. It was mm. just such a natural transition. And I was finishing an edit on an airplane and just did not make it happen. I still think about it. Um, okay. Other so- early on business points. Maybe we should talk about the song. Um, Should we? Well, well, early on, we were kind of living in the wild, wild west, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, our theme song is by Robin. I believe very early on, maybe even before we started the podcast, we kind of had a conversation about how do we get rights to this? Like, we don't know how this world works. And so, I think, Anne, you, like, sent her an email, right? Because you had just profiled her. Yeah, that was like slightly, that was a few months into the podcast that I like met her for other work. But yeah, she didn't complain. And I took that as a tacit yes. (laughs) (laughs) We kind of didn't deal with it. (laughs) That's like, it became like a very low grade (laughs) ambient anxiety. Yes. Until the good people at Universal Music Group reached out to us. And, uh, and then we were able to license the song, but they were really, um, I don't know. It's like the process seemed really daunting, but actually, like, it worked out fine. 
Yeah, we were lucky that they were excited to have a source of revenue rather than trying the old way of punishing us. Totally. So I think that part of this is timeline, right? Because by the time they reached out to us, we had already started selling advertising and actually had a little bit of income, which I think is really different than when we started and had zero (laughs) dollars. Yeah, it was less scary. It was less scary to pay something for the license, even though they cut us a pretty reasonable deal. They cut us a really reasonable deal because I, like, when I say that I had no idea, you know, like, <laughs> like let's license a song, I'm like, is that $2 million? <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> know. I don't, I, like, just didn't have an idea of, you know, like, what the number would be. And I think that that's what made it even more scary. And then it turns out that, like, you know, it still costs money, but it's not, like, $2 million. It was just, like, in, right. like, it was in the five figures. <laughs> so that seemed less, like, I don't know. I felt like I got a good, like, data point for, oh, this is how this thing works. And was, right. like, a lot less scared. Can I back up and ask, because some of the cavalierness with which we're talking about licensing songs or using music, from my end of things, I had no idea how many people would listen to the show. So the idea that we were doing much more than a project that we enjoyed doing and that our friends would listen to and maybe would share with their friends, like I didn't necessarily expect it to get much bigger than like a podcast book club, honestly, or wouldn't have I wouldn't have bet money on that. Oh, my God. No, not at all. Yeah, I think that that's fair, right? But I think that, um, like, one, that defense doesn't hold up in court for anybody. (laughs) First of all. Really, it was that we kind of had nothing to lose, you know? And also, we didn't think of it as a professional endeavor, right? I think that that's, for me, like, that's kind of the frame, like, that when I think about, like, our Wild Wild West era, (laughs) like, that's what I think of, is that, It wasn't a job, and truth be told, like, I didn't have any obligations to anyone beyond just this, like, okay, I show up because I promised my friends that I would show up. But, like, if Robin was like, I'm suing you guys, I would have given you an and the peace sign, like, early. You would have ceased and desisted. (laughs) I I can't even believe this. You would have left me and Gina to field the lawsuit. (laughs) No, not to field the lawsuit, but, like, well, I'm like, if Robin doesn't, like, if Robin doesn't want it to happen, then I guess it's not blessed by God. So, podcast out. Because the other thing is that, like, we all, like, at the time, like, we all had day jobs. Like, I actually, like, worked in an office, you know? And so... I did not, but... But, yes. So, anyway, like, music is squared away. But also, I think that the structure of the show has changed in that we don't need those... uh, Or maybe, like, we change, right? It's, like, we used to do a ton of, like, music early on, and people were like, we're trying to discover, like, new artists or whatever. And I feel like we do that a lot less. Like, our um, really good friend Carolyn has made all of the original show, the original music for the show which like feels it just like feels awesome to be able to have a pal do that you know and like pay them for that also how did we get the money to pay our pals amina <laughs> how did that happen big jump (laughs) so i mean little jump right so we go from making zero money at um that first network to we were approached uh again i I love that this story is like always us being approached by other people and never being like proactive right um which like there's kind of a lesson in there somewhere but so we were approached by this um 
kind of new kid on the block um, pod network. And they were looking to launch, I guess like they were established in Europe and they were looking to launch in, uh, what country is this? In America, in the United <laughs> States of America. Sorry, I'm so tired. New country, who does? <laughs> uh, I'm so tired. You know, one thing I think that also happened for our show that I was really surprised by early on is... Um, which sounds dumb now because I'm just like, oh, yeah, we, like, know everybody, is that we got, like, really good press, like, out of nowhere. But don't you think some of that was t- – I mean, part of it is who we know, right, in that, like, you know every human in media and Gina and I both work in different corners of media. Like, part of it is just, like, our social world. But part of it is also, like – and I, I remind people of this sometimes when they're like, how did you guys build a big audience? Is like, we launched – in 2014, which is the year that Serial came out and was a year when a lot of people who hadn't paid attention to podcasts before were paying attention to them. And I do think we benefited from timing, you know, in addition to like who we know, which is definitely Oh, 100%. True. I yeah. think the, the timing was like, it was like, um, like, you know, obviously we were there before Serial, but when people were like, oh, <laughs> obviously, who, who are the <laughs> other women in podcast, you know? And it was like, oh, here's a show that's like female driven. And also, like, we were consistent. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was like by the time that people kind of started paying attention to us, we had a back catalog. Right. Do either of you remember how big we were or how many listeners we had when we were first approached about being repped for ad sales? Well, so I think that at the first network, they (laughs) approached us about ad sales. But by the time that that had happened, we had already started talking to um, Acast, our second network, the one, the, the like European startup. And honestly, like at that point, I was not paying attention to numbers at all. So I could not have. And I think that part of that was that the, um, the CMS was like hard to read or whatever. And also, I just like couldn't believe that like people beyond our friends were listening to it. But I don't think I had the... <laughs> I didn't have it in me to see like how many. You still people don't believe the numbers. Oh yeah, I still don't believe it. I'm like convinced. There's still like however many people follow us on Twitter, we don't have more audience. Yeah, than that. this That's this is totally a scam. Metric. It's like, it's like <laughs> every what like every each of us has like six friends that listen to the show, and then we like get press, and that's it. Nobody listens to it. Um, my recollection is that from the first when, around the time we left the first network, we had in the range of 50,000 weekly listeners. Which is for people who are like, I want to start a podcast and make money. It's like, I feel like that is, as I understand it now, kind of like the minimum threshold for getting someone interested in selling ads on your behalf. Maybe it's a little bit less than that. Yeah, and I think for like us, we, that, know, we know podcasts who are smaller than, like way smaller than that that sell ads. But I think that like in but, general, that's a good But CPM they have institutional based, affiliations. Like, yeah, that's fair. Well, and not so all I think, of them. Really? Okay. Yeah. So we'd been going for at least a year, I think, when mm-hmm. we had this co- these conversations and had about 50,000 listeners an episode, yep. roughly. Yep. Or so we thought. Like, the numbers are all – this is the thing about podcast numbers where Amina is totally right, is that they're all kind of a scam and no one really knows how many people are listening to anything with any degree of yeah, sureness. Yeah, it's super, it's super nefarious. And, you know, it's like <laughs> – it really is. I <laughs> – <laughs> the like you know it's like in my old life For I was advertisers a mar- we love you <laughs> no it's true but like in my old life like I was a marketer and sometimes I think about like man like the the amount of balls that you have to have to like take something like this uh, you know to be like here's the spend that we're doing on this thing that we're not really sure 
like what the results are like sometimes it really scares me but at the same time it's like here's the thing about podcasts right it's like it's probably the only medium where people sometimes are actually happy to hear ads because it cuts through the like conversation that people are having <laughs> so in that regard it's like well this is a good place to advertise actually right okay so in the timeline it is now 2015 we are now affiliated with someone who is uh or at least talking to someone who was saying they're going to sell ads on our behalf. Maybe we should talk about why we wanted to do that. (laughs) Well, so it's like the show had gotten bigger, obviously, and had, it kind of also like started to take, like, so it started taking like a life of its own. And I think that like by then we started seeing the potential, you know, like for me at least it was like, Oh, okay. This is like a viable revenue stream for all of us. Because to be fair, we put in a lot of work into it. It basically has turned into a job. And like nobody is acknowledging that it is a job because we're not being paid. It went from side hustle to a job. And I mean like it's still like a beloved job and a beloved like side hustle. But I think that at some point you just like you start looking at all of the stuff that you're doing and you're just like it becomes hard to justify like spending so much time on something that you're not even attempting to monetize. I think also by this point, and correct me if I'm wrong, all three of us were not like 100% working on our own, but we're self-employed and working on multiple projects. And so when that is your income structure, fitting in the podcast, which trust me, I also loved then doing, but like you're, you're taking time and hours away from work that you do get paid for. And so that's like an additional incentive, or at least it was for me, because, again, yeah, at that point, and especially like for someone like Gina, whose expertise is in radio, like part of me is like the way I thought about myself is I'm like, oh, I'm just kind of screwing around with this new thing I don't understand. But like Gina is an expert who gets paid to do this by (laughs) other people. And like, and yeah, and obviously your time is worth like way, way more than zero dollars too, Amina. And so thinking about thinking about it in the overall calculus of the money that we were each making, I think was part of it too. Or like what we would have charged a hashtag brand to do a similar thing was a good reframing for our own rates and our own time. Another thing too, I think that happened is that we, um, we had kind of had a conversation about like taking it to the next level, LOL, like (laughs) leveling up. (laughs) And, uh, but like that requires money, right? It was like, we wanted to make, uh, we wanted to like invest in this new equipment and we wanted to, it's like, we have 50,000 listeners. How do we get to a hundred thousand listeners? And, and honestly, you know, it's like the sound had to improve like a lot. So I remember, like, when we first had that conversation about equipment, it was my same, like, uh, is this going to cost $2 million? I don't have $2 million. <laughs> you know, and then, like, and then Gina broke it down, and honestly, it was, like, like in the low, like, $1,000. Like, it wasn't anything crazy, but it was still one of those, like, I felt really militant about not having to pay for this equipment out of my pocket. But so, yeah, so it's like when this like new podcast network comes to us, we're just like, oh, new microphones, (laughs) like equipment. Like that's the only thing that I hear. New listeners binging through the back catalog. This is why our old episodes sound the way they do. Sounds like we're calling from the bottom of a tin can. That's why they sound like that. (laughs) Seriously. Oh, my God. I don't even want to go back there. 
<laughs> but, you know, honestly, it's really funny thinking about, like, those early conversations that we had with ACAST, like, how kind of low our sights were set, where we were like, will you loan us equipment? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that was, like, a selling point instead of thinking, like, no, we can't own our own recording studio one day. Hello. Right. <laughs> um, um, so, like, still thinking, like, fairly small. <laughs> but I do think, for, for me anyway, when I think about, like, the arc of our business, I'm going to get comfortable saying that, the arc of our business, the decision to work with someone to sell ads against the podcast was a huge, huge turning point because it meant that we had to actually become a business or professionalize in all these other ways. It meant we needed a bank account. It meant we needed to incorporate because none of us were going to shoulder that burden alone. So that's when we became CYG LLC. That's <laughs> right. Bus- business business lives. married. What's up? <laughs> I don't know. And like that, that to me, to your point about if someone had a said to you in 2014, hey, do you want to start a business? It's like, no. But it sort of, through all of these little choices, became an inevitability, right? Like, oh, if you want to get paid for the time you're putting into this thing that's bigger than a side project, guess what? You need a corporation to put that money through. <laughs> right. And guess like- what? <laughs> yeah. You need a bank account. <laughs> so... I, like, finally understand why politicians pander to small business owners so much because I'm like, (laughs) you just messed around a little bit with the podcast and now you're a fucking business owner. Like, this is exactly, this is how they get you. So, yeah, you know, it's it's really funny when, remember when, like, ACAST had a check to give us and we didn't have a bank account (laughs) yet. And it was like, oh, Oh we have money to deposit and we need to figure all of that out. And then, like, the saga of, like, finding a bank that would take all of us. We are severely mm-hmm. underbanked in this family. <laughs> I mean, now we are properly credit unioned, not underbanked. We're, like, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're, like, okay. Um, I like our credit union. They treat us right. I know. They do. Shout out, Robert. Shout out to Robert. <laughs> Remember when <laughs> we went to sign our bank banker. account and Robert would, like looked at us and he was like, podcast, entertainment. <laughs> he, was just, like, he just looked like a really concerned dad. Like, mm, these girls, I'm worried about y'all. <laughs> a couple of things about that. Like, first of all, yes, Podcast Wives, three-way partners in this business, which I think is... We are the only people I know who will have like a healthy collaborative decision making model. Like I have yet to be a part of some other endeavor or like hear about something that is collective decision making in the way that we do it and be like, that seems functional. So, (laughs) I mean, I'm continually surprised. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I mean, I think like we have a general understanding of we have shared values. Like that's part of it. Like fundamentally, Mm -hmm. I think. I don't know. I think we're all pretty reasonable when it comes down to compensation and tracking hours and things. Like we all want to feel equally bought in in terms of time and effort. And um, generally, I feel like everyone pulls their weight and is personally responsible for making sure that they're pulling their own weight, where not every arrangement I have been a part of or read about or heard about that is collaborative on decision making is also a situation where everyone is putting in equal time and effort. So I think that is an advantage we have. You know, I think, too, that like one thing that was a strength really early on for us is um, like because there were three of us, everybody like kind of picked up a ball. Yep. It was just like one of those things where it was like, oh, this is not my area of expertise or I don't know how to do this. Or frankly, like I don't want to do this. There was always somebody else to do it. It's like when you go on a trip with people and you wake up every day and like the house is clean. <laughs> You're just like, how did that happen? Everybody pulls their weight around here. 
like that was something that happened really organically. And I think that we were really lucky in our partnership that that happened. Here are questions from Twitter. I get how you can make money off podcasts when you're established, but what about when you are new? Um, you can't. Well, you can't. You got to get established. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> what kind of equipment is needed for a podcast? Look up Google or episode 22 of Call Your Girlfriend. Do you approach sponsors or do they approach you? Well, our, I think our reps do a little bit of both. Right? Totally. The three of us do no approaching sponsors. Um, we did last year. We totally did last year, or I did. But you know my favorite sponsor stories, though, are when people email us and they're just like, ugh, like, my little marketing intern says that, like, your show is good and we're looking to advertise on a woman's show and then it turns into money for us. Which, shout out like, to marketing interns. I know. Shout out to, like, ladies everywhere who, like, persuade their bosses to spend money on our show. Like, you, like, you are the unsung heroes of this podcast. Shout out to every person listening to this show at work right now. <laughs> uh, but also, like, means and that, like, my early prediction about, like, who our core listener is, like, was true. Oh, my God. Do you want to repeat it for the listeners? <laughs> I'll let you tell it. <laughs> Mina always says the least powerful person in every office is, like, the biggest CYG fan. And I love that because I'm like, you know who's about to be the most powerful person everywhere? The CYG <laughs> fan. I'm like, I'm That's just waiting right. for everyone, everyone right. to come into their own. I know. Yep. Okay. Next question. How much time does it take to prepare and produce each episode? <laughs> it takes time. I mean, it depends what kind of episode. If it's just our general, like, shoot the breeze episode, I think whatever time it takes us to, like, find the articles that we want to talk about. But I think that the real secret here is that, like, Gina is who does all of the heavy lifting. Like, we have the conversation that we would have every week regardless. <laughs> yeah, how many hours does it take you, Gina? Usually between about 8 and 15 hours to edit, mix, and post the show. What? <laughs> that is that. bananas. You should ask for a raise. I know. <laughs> this is crazy. It's okay. I got equity. Oh my God. I'm going to work even harder to make you more rich, Gina. This is nuts. Okay. Do you ever struggle to balance CYG with other work commitments? Yes. Yes. <laughs> sure. I mean, <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, it's one of those things too where like there are some weeks where it does feel like it is like just totally seamlessly fits in my schedule. And there are other weeks where it's like two of the three of us are traveling and someone else is on deadline and it's actually like a huge burden to get an episode out the door. Like that's the answer. Yeah. I think especially since we moved to this like weekly schedule and mm -hmm. – uh, we're so we're on a weekly schedule and we both travel a lot and I feel that I I'm like perpetually like Anne I'm 10 minutes behind <laughs> every week and I feel awful about it but also recognizing that of probably all of my work commitments this is like the most flexible and not that it's that flexible and so yeah it like it's like yeah making a thing every week is tough but the fact that it's fun and that 
we get to work together definitely makes it better. It's the only thing I'm ever willingly doing at 1 a.m. on a Thursday night. Yeah, you're like, you're kind of my hero. Um, I know you did an episode about merch before, which I loved, but would love to hear more about how that process has evolved. The short answer is we decided we wanted to shop and didn't want to do the research ourselves to like to serve everyone with great high quality products to buy. And so put up an ad and interviewed people with that expertise and hired someone who we work with, um, who we pay hourly to do shop admin, shout out to Carly, and um, order and source new products for us and be thinking smartly about all things merch. So that's the answer. Follow her on Twitter at Carly so good. Um, also, we have some exciting stuff coming in the store very soon. So keep an, keep an eye out. Um, how were you able to secure the rights to Robin's original song? We already covered that. And what kind of licensing was required? I'm not a lawyer, but like whatever licensing for a podcast song is required, we got. Although it is worth, I think, Gina, if you want to talk about like how you sourced stuff that we like in the interim after we were like selling ads and big enough that we wanted to pay for the Robin song, but not so big that we could afford every single thing we really wanted. DJ Khaled. (laughs) There's a lot of uh, royalty free or creative commons licensed music. I tend to use freemusicarchive.org. There is some really good stuff. If you listen through, you can find some good tracks that will help create transitions for songs and that's a lot of what you've heard now we have all original score by carolyn pennypacker riggs our dear friend yeah yeah and also like honestly if you have a little bit of like uh i don't know like christmas money like just look into licensing a song it's not as crazy as you think it is yep how much do podcast sponsorships pay I don't know. It depends. <laughs> mm-hmm. I understand there's a wide range. How much does it cost to produce per episode? Well, you just heard eight to 15 hours of Gina's time. So obviously we're not being paid. We're not paying her <laughs> like an hourly rate. That yeah, she truly Gina, deserves. you should really redo your contract. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the answer in terms of production costs is really like the production cost at this point now that we've invested in equipment is our time, correct? Yeah. Sometimes we rent a studio, like the mm. Huma Abedin interview that we did. You know, we rented a studio for that. We found a professional to record with Huma on site. They, the campaign took a photograph for us, so we had that. Um, we paid for transcription. I mean, there's some stuff for special special episodes. We've shelled out a little more money just to make sure that it really pops for you guys. Do we want to answer how much do podcast sponsorships pay? Well, I mean, I guess it just depends on the CPM. I think we even have like different CPM like every week. So don't take less than $20 uh, <laughs> or something like that. I think it depends like how big your audience is or whatever. But right, because I've seen um, kind of like on our invoice list, like even per week, like it fluctuates how much money we yeah. make just depending on um, what ads were sold and what the relationship with the advertiser is. Right. But like essentially, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe we don't want to say this on air, but like the, like we're talking like, you know, four figures to get onto our show minimum, right? Like it's not like there's like a sponsorship for a couple hundred bucks. Oh yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And and no one-offs, so. Right. Okay. Good rapid round. (laughs) (laughs) I know.
Okay, let's go back in the time. Let's go back in the timeline. Oh, one other thing that I was gonna say is when we joined this podcast network, we were really kind of excited to partner with someone who, like, we felt at the time was like they had an app and they were working on solving the problem of discoverability and they were gonna give all these other people like a bunch of people to purchase and we took all these meetings, but ACAST was the only one where there was like a woman who was making a decision. And that was important to us where it's like rule number one of call your girlfriend. If you have us go into a meeting, like put a woman in the room, even if it's your goddamn intern, because like, we, like nothing will make me eye roll like more than just like walking into a room full of dudes who's like, like, let's make a lot of money off of you. And it's like, well, actually, like, this does not align with my values. Right. Or that feeling of, like, you're an important demographic for us. Not like we actually care about, like, the same things that you care about. Not that our institutional values match yours in that we want, like, a diverse leadership. Just, like, we like your demo. We want to buy your demo. Is like, oh, like, I feel like that was an aspect to some conversations that we've had with outside people regarding this podcast, which is just, like, we're all three of us very aligned on that being a red flag. Yeah, and it's such a telltale sign, too, of, like, uh, like you have never listened to one minute of our show. <laughs> or oh, my God, you, completely. Or you, or you would at least know how to episode. mitigate against it, right? It's like, I'm not saying that you have to listen to it, but, like... You know, like we're all playing a game here, and the game that Do you play research. when the game that you play when you have us is that you like plant ladies in the room. It was also like so emblematic of this, like how many just like podcast companies are just like so many bro dudes like companies, even when they're super liberal. I'm just like how like how do you start a podcast company in like the 2000 teens? and it's literally just you and dudes. Like you're not like even slightly embarrassed. And I just realized we kind of skipped over another thing that we were all aligned on, which is um, essentially having sell, someone sell ads on our show in the first place. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, for me personally, like it's it's interesting because Call Your Girlfriend started similarly to other side project or like media things I have done that are a passion project for a small group of women, right? And I'm thinking specifically of this blog, Feministing, that I wrote for for many years. And it was always a huge subject of debate among the collaborative leadership of that organization of how to structure it. Like, should it be a business? Should it be a nonprofit? Are ads okay? Are only certain ads okay? It was because it was a bigger group. But like, in the time that I was working on that we never really found agreement or clarity, I don't think. It was, like, honestly so, so difficult. It meant, like, recurring hard conversations about feminism and capitalism. Everything, like, instantly escalated to this, like, these, like, huge macro-level conversations as opposed to just are we feeling supported and are we, like, making work that we're proud of? And I think one thing, maybe it's getting older, maybe it's having a smaller group, maybe it's that the three of us are really aligned, but like... Or maybe it's that your partners just want to be rich. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, but that's what I mean, like actually asking the right questions of like, like, you know, like what do we want to happen as a result of this? Like, yes, yes, we do want to be rich. (laughs) But (laughs) Mina is showing us the way. Yeah, right? I'm like, listen, I I grew up like really poor. I like know what it's like to struggle. I don't want to do that ever again. So... It's really funny. I've never had an issue squaring away like, yes, I'm a feminist, but also like I live in capitalist (laughs) society, so I want to be rich. That's not anxiety I have. 
Right. But I guess what I mean is, like, even though I think we all come to that question in different ways, the fact that we were all like, yes, we should definitely monetize this because our time is valuable and we want to be compensated financially for the time we put yeah. into this podcast. Joking aside, like, the fact that we agree on that, I actually think is pretty huge, <laughs> you know, like, and really set us up for success. It's true. There's a lot of, like, Swedish, like, clothing to be bought in this family. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of fancy sack dresses. (laughs) A lot of fancy sack dresses. But also, I don't know. It's, like, for me, that's such an important value, though. You're right. Like, joking aside, I completely understand, like, working on passion projects or whatever. Like, I've done it my whole life. Like, we are such advocates of the side hustle here. But at the same time, I'm just like, we are three women who work really hard at something. I don't apologize for the fact that we should be compensated for that, like, ever. It's always really funny how it's always, like, the female-led side projects that, like, kind of don't lead to money, you know? I rarely hear my, like, guy friends have these kinds of conversations or have these kinds of anxieties. And also, like, making money means that we can make the podcast better, which, like, why? Like, that's a win-win all around. Right. Yeah, no one says to men working on a side project, like, are you really passionate about this if you're trying to, like, you know, monetize it as well? Like, that's not an, an either or that I think men are, you know, forced to choose, you know? Yeah, they don't, <sighs> you know? And I guess, like, okay, to, like, open up the conversation about ads, it's like now at this point, like, Acast is selling ads for us. And I think I remember distinctly, like, when we were signing on to onboard with them, having, like, very pointed conversations about here are the kinds of ads that we will do. Here are the kinds of advertisers that we will absolutely not work with. Because all advertisers see when they see us is vaginas. You know, like, let's be real. Your demographic. (laughs) It's true. And, you know, like, we've all been there. Like, the way that, like, people sell things to women is, frankly, like, can be really obnoxious and just, like, offensive. You know, and I think that there were some things that we were really picky about where we were, like, if, like, X brand comes to us, And they want to do, like, a general thing, like, we would be okay to it. But if they wanted to do some sort of, like, I don't know, like, body empowerment, mind matter, like, garbage, like, then, like, absolutely not. Yeah, the body stuff is so real when you talk about being a demographic like ours. Sorry, go on. Right. It's, like, people always, like, have a beach body, have a, you know, it's just all of this to say that if the fit tea people come to me, I will 100% take that money Oh, my God. (laughs) From my Instagram. (laughs) Um, I can't even. That's a long. That's a dream of mine. That's how you know you're you're using this episode (laughs) (laughs) to try to get a fit tea sponsorship for your own Instagram. (laughs) Oh my god, the game game is ruthless. But so anyway, but like all of this, you know, like okay, getting out of joking mode and back into serious mode. The truth is that we definitely left some money on the table because we are like difficult people to advertise with. Like that's fair. And that said, I think that there there are always going to be more minor conflicts when you're talking about, you know, the nuances of reading an ad or like who who is everyone who's an investor of every company we've ever taken ad money from. You know, you can really kind of like pull out the lens and start to see why like all advertising would be terrible. And so like, you know, like we do we do things all the time that I'm like, okay, like is this the number one ideal advertiser for this show? Like no. But like do I generally feel okay with this company and their business model? Yes. And you know, I'm thinking of this specific instance too where like at some point in like the first year might have been at some point last year like glossier advertised which is like amazing these are products we all love and use which is kind of the ideal right like an advertiser that Mm -hmm. it's not it is it is where you're like like, this is already in my bag Right. Right. And Free ad right now. Totally. And like and like the the specific product that they were having us sell was Boybrow, which 
on like the merits as a product I love. Like I'm like makes my brows look great. I hate the name so much. It's like the boyfriend jeans of like, you know, cosmetics products, right? Like I hate the name. I don't like that I have to say it. But the truth is I use the product and I love the product. And in general, I like the company and it's really aligned. And so like, you you know, you, it's, like, it's like a pick your battles. Like that is one of those where I was like, don't love the name. I'm cool with this. I'm going to like let it slide. You know, it's also, yeah, it's also the thing where I think recently and even early on, like we've gotten like some criticism about some of the companies that we've taken on and two things to that. One, I really want to say, I wish we could tell you like everybody that we're leaving on the table. <laughs> first, <of> all, <laughs> It's just like, listen, I could like sell you beach body shit every week and, you know, go to the beach with that money and have like zero qualms about it. Um, Go to the beach with your actual beach body. Yes. (laughs) That's right. But I also think that, like, because we are self-identified, like, feminists, progressives, like, we're definitely, like, in that space. I think that people also think that they can hold us to a higher standard. People meaning listeners. You know, where it's, like, somehow it's some sort of, like, really big cardinal sin if we just – it's, like, welcome to capitalism. Like, all money is dirty. Like, name one company that you're, like, proud to support that can afford to advertise anywhere. Like that's an email call YRGF at gmail.com. If you know that company, (laughs) we will get that lead to the appropriate people. But at the same time, you know, I don't think that we have taken money from anybody who is more evil than the regular evil norm, uh, which that should not be like (laughs) the standard for like ethical being good or whatever. But at the same time, I'm like, hello, we're all in this together. Like be a smart consumer. Also, if you don't want to spend your money somewhere, like don't do it. It's kind of a cliche, but the other piece of it is that we wanted to continue to deliver the show for free for our listeners, because we know that a lot of people who listen come from a variety of economic backgrounds and means and students. So it keeps it accessible, not to say that there's a strong, you know, in this business conversation, there isn't a strong like paywalled business model, but some people do it, right? It's like, I think this American Life, you can get the most recent episode and then other ones are behind a curtain. So ads let us be compensated for our time without constantly being hustling and pitching our listeners for money, which I personally like. Yeah, I don't ever want to take money from our listeners, like, ever, which, and it's like... Unless you want to buy our merch. Yeah, unless, but that's, like, a different endeavor, right? But I think that, like, to make the show consistently the way that it is and keep the amount of hours that we keep doing it and kind of in the spirit that we want to do, it's, yeah, it's that. It's like, do we trust that people will pay for things? Well, you know, like... I, like, sorry, millennials, y'all don't buy anything. <laughs> I know, because that's me. Um, I also think, and we kind of glossed over this a little bit, but like when we were talking to different networks to represent the show, we did talk to a few that had models that were either 100% listener supported or included some form of fundraising from our audience, like a model of maybe doing a pledge drive and some combination of that yeah, and ads. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and, and we made a decision that like we thought the show would be better if we went with a more traditional advertising model for all the reasons we've discussed. I certainly don't begrudge anyone who makes that choice or someone who, you know, only takes the most the most ethically pure advertisers like good luck and godspeed, but 
I mean, I think this episode is just like, here are why we made the different choices we made. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Remember? So another thing that happened like recently is that we had like a honest to God, like business retreat. And I like one of the conversations that I remember that like to me was like the most important conversation that we had then was what is your ideal compensation and what is the ideal amount of time that call your girlfriend takes to do for you? And to me, like that was hugely just clarifying. I was like, oh, okay, like this is what we are working towards. It's a different conversation to me if I know that like uh, you want to make like X Y Z money, and this is like seventy five percent of your time versus like twenty percent of your time, right? And totally. and I think that like the decision to like stick with the advertising model to me too was so informed by that, you know. Amina made us do a SWOT analysis. Honest <laughs> to God, it was helpful though. <laughs> Listen, I already told y'all, I'm trying to be rich. So <laughs> we, and we run a company, so we're going to do like company things. That's true. Also, do you think you can go on a business retreat with someone who reads as many business books as Amina reads without doing some sort of analysis <laughs> like that? Like, please, please. Tell me you didn't enjoy all those exercises. <laughs> oh my God. I loved them all. I loved every minute. I love them even more than our poolside Instagrams. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, you know, and also like we are like we're good at business and pleasure. That retreat was great. I can't wait for the twenty six seventeen retreat. Um, That's true. But so anyway, to like rewind, that's where being honest about that kind of like conflictedness about <laughs> advertising is good. But at the same time, just like recognizing like you know this is for what we do. This is the best way. It is the best way to do it. All of that to say, like, we had a pretty banner 2016. So, you know, like, it worked out. How banner, Amina? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to make you do it. Well, I'll tell you this. I bought some really nice things last year. Everybody got Christmas presents. This podcast makes, like, a healthy, like, six figures. Or last year. Which we split equally. This year, we'll see. Right. Yeah, which we split equally because we are uh, three partners in an LLC. And also, like, within Some the podcast... goes to the government. <laughs> yeah, a um, good chunk goes to the government. <laughs> yo, when Gina sent our tax paperwork today and I saw that we were paying into Medicare, I almost started crying. <laughs> I was like, look at these good citizens. <laughs> um, None of the business you know, books you read mention paying into Medicare. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, like we also like within the podcast, we have other like revenue streams, right? Like we did events last year, which actually like did really well for us, even though we only did a couple of them. And that's something that we want to revisit, you know, like cha-ching there. We opened a store that also like, good job, Carly, the store is like banging. It feels really good to like, just like see how she's taking the store, you know, and really running with it. But also, you know, like on a selfish note, it feels really good to be able to like pay her and be like, hi, like, thank you for making us money. And here is your share or being able to like give someone a bonus over the holidays as a lady business owner. Like that makes me feel awesome. No one's getting rich on CYG sweatshirts here. We're just getting cozy. But we are so comfortable. though. (laughs) But but it is like it is a nice like I mean. I think with this and with the live shows, like at least my my feeling about them is 
for right now, they feel like little cousins to, to the big project that is doing doing the podcast. But again, you never know where things are going to go. And I, I like one of the things I really like about our business partnership is that we're all really down to experiment with these things. And, you know, like yeah. the live shows, we did four last year and we did them all in really different ways, like the way the tickets were priced, the way the partnerships with the venues were, the way we sold them or someone else sold them. There were all these variables. And so how much money we made? Yeah, big variables. <laughs> um, and so essentially being part of a team that's like, we just want to gather this information and then like we can honestly check in about whether and how we want to do this in the future is, again, something that I really value about our partnership. Yeah. And I like I really value, too, that I've just like learned a lot on, you know, like a smaller scale about like merchandising, about like event production and all of this stuff and taking it back to like the bigger career stuff. How you're always like, oh, I want to learn new things or I want to jump into this new team at work or whatever. And like how hard that is to do. And Mm -hmm. with like this opportunity, like we've just gotten to do so much. It's like when I think about like last year, because there was a point in the year where I just like felt like I was really overwhelmed, you know, and then to like go back I remember when at the end of the year, like Gina sent our PNL around. I was so like that was such a different perspective for me. How so? Where I was just like, oh, look at all of like our hard work. Like I do think we have too much overhead, and we got to work on that. But <laughs> <laughs> like that's a different story. But it was really, you know, like it was really interesting to be like, oh man, like here is this like crazy year where. Because, like, surprise, we, like, switch networks after uh, that other network to go back to the timeline. Where it's, like, we had this, like, kind of huge upheaval in the way that we, like, run the business. We tried out all of these new things. And at one point, I was just, like, all of this is too much. I'm doing too much. What am I going to do when I grow up? Like, terrified. And then to just see this kind of piece of paper and be, like, oh, here is the fruits of our labor. Like, that felt awesome. So, yeah, so maybe we should back up and talk about that, where at the end of 2016, we moved to a different network. Like networks, I guess, like like there's sort of two functions that many of them fill. Like one is as like a publishing platform that actually pushes the podcast out to all the various apps and things you use to listen. And one is like the ad sales piece of it. When we were at ACAST, they did both of those things. It was like that was our publishing system and they were the people who sold our ads. And at the end of the year, we sort of split those things apart and sort of kind of, I don't know, Gina, maybe you're like making me, you're making faces. I want you to describe this. (laughs) Yeah. So as of January of 2017, we're represented in our ad sales by Midroll, which is the parent company of Earwolf. Shout out to uh, Brett and Andy engineering our sessions at (laughs) Earwolf Studios in LA and New York, respectively. And you may know Earwolf as a comedy podcasting network, but the mid-roll piece of it sells our ads. And then they work with a really robust, but essentially kind of white label technology platform called Art19, which is how we push out the show. So it's like a little collaboration, but it's all packaged into one thing. But that kind of church and state quality means that the folks here are very accomplished and very focused on selling ads. And that's what we most needed. And we felt like we had our editorial vision on lock and we kind of wanted to take away the worrying about which advertisers and how and how that all works and a kind of network that was still establishing itself versus someone who's really, you know, established in the game. 
Yeah, and and I think it's not always apparent to people who are listening, but like, you know, networks can fill a variety of different roles. And so there are some podcasts you probably listen to that are produced and edited and all this stuff by people who are employed by various networks. And then there are others that are, are different. And our situation is like, you know, the three of us are you know, the only people who really work on what you end up listening to. 100% independent, baby. I mean, and it's funny, you know, it's like, like that is something that we have, like, discussed other options for how to structure the podcast. But I, at this point, which is easy to say after coming out the other side of a lot of, like, hard work on business stuff, I have, like, never been happier that we made the choice to be just, like, a three-woman operation. <laughs> I mean, I'm Aww. one, I'm really damn proud of it. And I'm really yeah. like, you know, it like it feels really good to just, you know, like look at the kind of the caliber of show that is, you know, on our level, um, you know, like shout out best of iTunes two years in a row. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no brag, total brag. Just shoulders up. <laughs> uh, you know, like think about that. You know, like sometimes, like I remember like a bunch of meetings that we had last year where we're just like, oh, like I don't feel supported. Yeah, a lot of our competition is like housed in these like big media companies where there's like five people who produce the show. Like Gina is like the only person who touches our show. I know. She's like the Hulk of editing and producing. <laughs> she really is. Like the, the Lance Armstrong of podcast editing. It's <laughs> like, what do you take? It's all the blood dumping. So, yeah. Right. But, you know, like I, I think about that a lot. We don't have an infrastructure for like, oh, we want to do a tour. Like, oh, yeah, our like events marketing team will take care of that. We do everything ourselves. And I think that that took me a while to understand what was going on. And And I remember like that was kind of the question for us a lot of times last year. It's like, how do we get support? Like, how do we get, like, we were in a situation that was no longer tenable. And we're like, how do we get support? And this, like, splitting of, like, here's where the show is hosted. Here is who is going to sell the ads and have them, like, laser focused on that. And I feel like we made a really good decision. And I feel so much calmer because all of our, like, every system that we <laughs> worked to, like, fix last year is kind of... A big piece of it is just, like, now we have professional consistency that makes it, like, a little easier. It's like, oh, yeah, now we can focus on, like, when are we going to take this podcast on the road for a tour? Like, what's going to happen with the merch store? Because, you know, like, the central piece of, like, the, like, how we make money advertising is, like, that's doing fine. It's in place. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because when you're talking about that time period when we were all like, I don't feel supported, I feel like if we were to make internal only CYG apparel, it would just say, I don't feel supported <laughs> or something like that. Um, but, but you know, I mean, it's really hard to see, like, at the time when you're in it, what is growing pains? Like, what is us getting our shit together? And what is just like, this is a disaster. What are we doing? And I think that now... I feel very much like, oh, that was us leveling up and, and we'll probably level up again and we'll be really frustrated again at some future point. But maybe because we've already been through this once, I will feel a little bit more like, oh, this is a phase while we figure this thing out and make it more sustainable as opposed to like, oh, my God, is it all crumbling? Which I definitely know I have my moments of like, is this going to be the rest of my life? Just like worrying about the business part of this that is not where we're not supported. <laughs> right, so. where we're not supported. And also, I don't know, I think that I we also, like, kind of, or at least, like, I will speak for myself, like, learn some really valuable, like, this is where you walk away lesson. Like, obviously, like, growing pains is hard. At our other network, we made some kind of, like, fundamental mistakes that 
everything like snowballed, right? And like, then like it, what? it all well, like um, <laughs> like trusting that an upstart was the place for us to go. You know, mm-hmm. like that was they had growing pains and we didn't recognize that. It's like we signed with them in I don't know when, but it took them like months before they sold our first ad. You know, which was like so much time, time like kind of wasted. And also, I feel like I just have a better. It's like now when I go into a meeting of like, hi, we really like your show. Like, will you sell it to us? Like, can we do advertising or blah, blah, blah? I have like a better sense of the questions that I need answers to as opposed to like, oh, wow, this pitch was like really beautiful and great. And (laughs) I feel like I have matured a lot. Like, here are the needs of our team as opposed to like, here is what these people are selling us. Yeah, knowing which questions to ask has been a huge, huge thing. I mean, and the other thing that's happening, like the context for this is that the business structure around podcasting or like the industry that is podcasting is also really young, um, relatively speaking, and in a ton of flux. And so like simultaneously as we're trying to figure out what is our business, like what kind of choices do we want to make, what's our like – you know, how do we operate? Everything around us is like, <laughs> like totally, <laughs> totally unset as well. And so I think that that is, that's also what's going on. It's one thing that is, that is in some ways kind of exciting because it's like, I don't know what the industry is going to look like in the not too distant future. But I think having a little bit of context and being easier on ourselves for some of those choices, because like mm-hmm. really a lot of people are just guessing when it comes to this stuff right now, you know? Yeah, they're all guessing. They're all, like, kind of trying to, you know, become the next iTunes. Everybody has their own agenda, and, like, God bless. Like, that's like that's the way that, like, business and innovation will always work. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to do this check-in same time next year and see how we feel. But I'm super excited about 2017. It's, like, like one big part of what we do is super stable and doing well. And I think that now we're kind of focused on, like, you know, like, what is next for, for like, Call Your Girlfriend? Like, how do we grow our audience? You know, like, when when is the TV show? When is the, like, everything? Oh, my God. I just so. put my head between my knees when you say stuff like <laughs> that. Um, like, I did that just for you. Obviously, you know that, like, <gasps> we're both terrified of television. So, like, no. I mean, anything I can't do in leggings. You can find us many places on the internet, on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. You can download it anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast or on iTunes, where we would love it if you left us a review. You can tweet at us at callyrgf or email us, callyrgf at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook or on Instagram at callyrgf. You can leave us, however, a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. Our theme song is by Robin. All other music you heard today was composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. This podcast is produced by Gina Delvac, who is here today. See you on the internet, y'all. See you on the internet. <laughs>